And I remember being told to, um, you know, clean my plate. And I remember taking those bites and literally crying and trying to get one little string of that spinach down. And so I did grow up because of that environment to hate vegetables and I talked myself into it. The body is so unique in its ability to heal. And when we exercise, it's like the body has its own pharmacy. It creates its own pain relievers. It creates its own anti-inflammatories. Yep. So why wouldn't it create its own antidepressants? There was one thing that the people could really, really own. That would be the understanding of the power, the role, the duty, the responsibility, the authority of our states. You know, day after day, week hmm. after week, we deal with frustrated parents that come into the clinic and go, it is really hard for me to get little Johnny to to eat better. So the challenge yeah. is, you know, the parents will say, well, I hate vegetables. I don't want to eat that. Just it, like that, it, too. It feels like fuzzy fur. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> yeah. So we have to kind of guide them in a healthy direction so that it doesn't become a family feud. Well, when I was growing up, I had to tell you... People might not believe this, but I used to say I hate vegetables, and I I did. I made myself hate vegetables because I continued to say that, and, and I wasn't encouraged to eat them. But I, I got to tell you, man, I mean, I sit down. We didn't have much money, but I sit down to many of a meal where it was like a, a canned spinach that had the, the green sauce running all over everything. <laughs> I'm like, that is like nasty, and it was not very good. And, and I remember being told to um, you know clean my plate. And I remember taking those bites and literally crying and trying to get one little string of that spinach down. And so I did grow up because of that environment to hate vegetables. And I talked myself into it, not realizing the whole time that vegetables are really the, the highest nutrient value things that we should be eating more of. So, you know, we've got to really think about the whole aspects of what parents are doing and how parents are presenting the case to kids in regard to, you know, not just not saying that, but putting the idea that vegetables are good for you in your head and in your in your body. Well, and it's uh, I know this for a fact is that children will not grow up doing better than their parents do. So the ground rules or the habits start in the home. So if the mm. parents bring those things in and they make them okay, the kids begin to think that that's okay. So we have to yeah. start getting those things out and making healthy transitions. Like instead of almond joy, maybe just almonds as a snack. Or yeah. instead of ice cream, maybe a frozen protein shake. I had a really, I just thought of an interesting case I had. This has been years ago, but um, it was it was a mother that came in and a father and they brought their two kids who happened to be girls. And they Oh, were, I remember that. I think they were in their teens. Uh, very overweight, the two girls were. Uh, the mother was very concerned, and she's the one that brought him in. And Dad, I remember sitting over there like this. And he was somewhat supportive, but observantly looking at them, not judgmental. They were overweight too. 
and they were concerned about their kids, and I appreciate that. They wanted us to help them with their kids, right? Help their kids uh, lose weight. And one of them actually was was type two diabetic, borderline at that point. And I think she was sixteen. Super sad, but they wanted us to help with them. And I remember the day that I had the kids get out of that office, and I talked to the parents, and I was straight with them. I mean, I looked them in the eye and I said, hey, you want me to help your kids? Yes. I said, what are you all doing? Are you all doing the same thing that I'm asking them to do? And, and the mom was like, well, I know I need to. And the dad was like, well, that's their thing. And I just jumped right in the middle of their nonsense at that point. And I said, no, no, you got to lead. Because ultimately, if the parents don't do it, why would the kids do it? You know, why? And, and they would have no reason. Now, they weren't successful at all because of that very principle. And I... I I grieve the idea that those kids may be, you know, destroyed emotionally because they were in that position, knowing that the parents were literally criticizing them under the veil of being concerned about them, but they weren't willing to do what it took on their own side to lead the way. Well, that's kind of a hard concept yeah. when you start to think about that. That's almost like being a hypocrite. It, from my perspective, being a clinician. Yeah seeing another clinician telling their patients, hey, don't smoke, but they're outside smoking a cigarette. Ooh. You know, we have to be careful about the way that we teach our children to go. If you teach them to go in the right ways, they'll never depart from those ways. Well, there is a scripture, I think it's Proverbs 20, verse 6, that says that, you know, but ultimately, if we're not leading the way, who is? I think about this. Who is, if the parents aren't leading the way in the physical way, you know, and spiritual and emotional too, but if they're not doing it, the kids need leadership. We all know that because they're not able to, as a you know, 10 or 12-year-old, go out outside, out here in the world and make it. They have to have leadership. And so who's leading the way? Well, it's media. You know, it's other people, other kids. And you know, that's just kind of luck of the draw, isn't it, today? I mean, we all know that. But with the trends going the way they are, to lead people to, down the, the pathway of a healthier life, the parents have to do it. They have to begin to to make uh, make it a fun process of eating healthy, you know, get fruits out just like this and, and make it a fun process. Name that fruit, you know, where does it come from? Where is it grown at? You know, what nutrients does it contain? You know, begin to mix in things like kingdom fuel. Right, we've talked about that before. You know, I was talking to a, a well-known influencer recently. You know, it was actually Lara Trump. And yeah, Kingdom Fuel. What is, what is Kingdom Fuel? Well, it's a meal we created. You know, it's in a whole uh, jug that is organic pea protein. It's greens and reds. It's got a full spectrum of vitamins and minerals and soluble and insoluble fiber. And I thought to myself, you know, that's great. And when I was talking to uh, Lara about that, you know, that's that's Donald Trump's daughter-in-law, actually. She says, well, yeah, that's perfect for my kids. And we talked about mixing in fruits, mixing in bananas, use, mixing it with almond milk and coconut milk and things like that, and mixing in vegetables. Can you imagine blending vegetables into that drink? Amazing, amazing process. And we can all do that to sort of make it convenient and lead the way for these kids. Yeah, and making making meal planning fun. Kids can cut up the fruit. They can make exactly. shapes out of the fruit. They can help make the meat patties. They can make shapes out of the meat patties. So it becomes not just nutrition. It can become also an art. Teach them how to cook. Teach them what the food means. Teach them what real food is. Give them a fun opportunity, you know, whether it's 
helping them cook or letting them cook with you or making a fun smoothie and letting them pick the flavors they want into it. There is a bunch of different ways to, to help. But parents, you got to lead the way, man, and give them a chance. And if you don't give them a chance, what chance do they have, right? So I think that these are some real key tools and key opportunities to help us teach kids how to be more healthy. Up next, exercise to treat depression. And when you navigate through these these economies with people, here's here's what happens. We want to hold their hand through it, let them know when it's time to buy, sell, reallocate, get out of Dodge. Because a lot of times when you're struck with fear, fear does two things. Number one, it can paralyze and, and people just put their head in the sand and say, I'm just going to forget about it and hopefully it gets better. Or it causes you to make a wrong decision. And this is why we are here, is to help people navigate through the political quagmire nonsense that's going on, the economic malaise and the absolute collapse that we're seeing. And when our freedoms are eroding, our political freedoms, our economic freedoms, our personal freedoms, our religious freedoms, our health freedoms, they're all tied together. But you know what doesn't need to erode with that? Our finances. Kirk Elliott, PhD.com forward slash Sherwood. There's a lot of talk these days about human enhancement. Terms like biohacking, bioharmonizing, biosynergizing, stacking, resilience, and anti-fragility. In our clinic, the Functional Medical Institute, we've been helping people of all shapes, sizes, and backgrounds improve their quality of their physiology and maximize their lives. So... You can follow the latest fads and gimmicks and maybe find some things that work for you. Or you can add kingdom fuel to your daily regimen right now. It's the simple start to a transformed life. Our unique meal shakes are balanced, low glycemic, rich in fiber with 20 grams of clean protein, essential vitamins and minerals, healthy fats and organic fruits and vegetables. Kingdom fuel is vegan with a complete amino acid profile. No gimmicks, just proven results. Start today at Sherwood.tv forward slash fuel. Hey there, Kevin Sorbo here. Now, deep down, we know this. We're, we're more than just a brain and a body. We're a spirit, we're a soul, and we're also a physical temple. If you hit the wall when you're trying to improve one aspect of your being, it's probably because, well, other aspects are sabotaging our success. So that's why diets don't work. And frankly, why so much conventional wisdom from our so-called medical establishments falls flat. Doctors Michelle and Mark Sherwood have a very different approach. I should know because I happen to be one of their patients. They address the whole person to get to know you, your challenges, and more importantly, what your goals are. Then they offer a complete plan that addresses your unique biology and your heart. They'll help you discover what you need to experience transformation. So find out more at Sherwood.tv slash Sorbo. That's Sherwood.tv slash Sorbo or see the link before. Now I'm heading for a workout. You should be going for a workout too. All right, guys. God bless.
it's becoming more and more common that research is beginning to show that exercise is as effective for depression or even more effective for depression than medication. I find that interesting because, you know, something that we've known for a long time, it's almost like studies are finally catching up with reality or studies are finally catching up with fact, you know, and it's it seems like it does run behind because nobody would argue with this statement is when you go exercise moderately, I, I should say, you're going to feel better, right? The body is so unique in its ability to heal. And when we exercise, it's like the body has its own pharmacy. It creates its own pain relievers. It creates its own anti-inflammatories. Yep. So why wouldn't it create its own antidepressants? What's well, funny, and this is probably going back 25 years ago, I had read this little tiny study, and it was comparing exercise against Prozac. Yeah, honest to goodness. And I, and I laughed about it when I, when I read this recent one, because in that study, it showed that the metabolism of the adrenaline, you know, that precursor to cortisol, was, was massively tied to just daily exercise. And so they were using this study layout where they had people that were just taking Prozac and people that were exercising. They were sort of tracking their level of adrenaline. Not the best layout, but it, it sort of proved a point, didn't it? Absolutely. If you think about what is actually in some of the pharmaceutical antidepressants, they are helping the body use more of what it actually makes yep. on its own, like norepinephrine and epinephrine, which are antidepressants. So if, yeah. if exercise has been shown to be more effective than medication for treating depression, doesn't it make sense that we should be putting that in place as one of the primary things that we should do every day? Well, it's common sense because you got this thing called dopamine. Everybody knows there's such a thing as a runner's high or a exercise high or even a business deal high. That's dopamine. It's interesting that epinephrine and norepinephrine are downstream metabolites of dopamine. So science, again, is is confirming what we already knew, that what you do to bring about joy or satisfaction or sort of achievement is something that's going to help your mood. It's interesting. You know, I think people today, instead of getting to the doctor and getting an antidepressant, the doctor should probably go take them out for a long walk. Uh, if that would be possible, I think we'd find some resolve in that. So if we give the body what it needs which would be a good dose of exercise, it could be much more effective in combating one of the main reasons why people go to the doctor, and that's that blue mood, that yeah, thing called depression. It's fascinating, you know, depending on what study you look at, one in four Americans right now around our country are on antidepressant. One in four. And you think about, what does that do? We don't think about the congruent nutrient pullouts, right? And what that means for the person. Do they become dependent upon it? It depends, right? Can you get them off of it? That depends also. But what about doing something to prevent having to get them on it in the first place? And, and I think, I know you'd probably agree, is that why is medication the first line option when common sense should be the first line option? And common sense tells me, hey, get off your backside and go exercise, and help your body make and do what it should for itself instead of uh, asking for a pill for an ill. That's yeah. just a Band-Aid. And 
Exercise gets blood, oxygen, and nutrients to the tissue, as well as helping the system make its own antidepressants. Well, even today, we exercised before we came here, you know, for the show, right? So we do we it did. every day, and, and we've been doing it probably every day. I was thinking <laughs> back, I don't know if this is insanity, I don't know what this is, but I, I was Dedication. thinking for the last 40 years, I probably only missed a handful of days, you know, and maybe two handfuls at the most. Or less. 40 years, and, and I track it. You know, last year, I don't think I missed maybe a handful of days, maybe two or three, if any. Um, but I've, I've learned over time, from a personal standpoint, that if I don't do something physical or something exercise, I don't feel as good. Like So whatever that is, it's true. It works for us as well. So that's the absence of well-being that you experience when you don't exercise. Well, probably, or the absence of achievement, you know, the absence of, of getting that thing done that I know is good for me. Maybe the absence of dopamine, right? And so exercise, I think, would be a good way to lean someone towards a, a better addiction, you know, instead of addiction to, you know, food or drama or trauma or negativity, which, hey, many people are today. But the, the bottom line is, I think people should move more, sit less. And the only day you don't move is the day you're dead. And the only day you don't exercise is the day you're dead. I mean, if we kind of had that mentality, we'd probably be a little better off. And how many days a week should we exercise? Well, I think it's like every day. For every day <laughs> like that you want to eat, you yeah, it's just, exercise. I mean, I just think it's every day because, you know, it, the body is made to ambulate, to move. Like our legs are made to do more than sit over a chair and our arms are made to do more than just do a fork curl with, with like, or a, a spoon curl with some cereal. No, we're made to move and like, you know, got this nice plants here, you know, our hunter-gatherer ancestors had to move to go gather that kind of stuff. They had to reach, they had to dig, they had to, to, to walk to find those things. And so, you know, interestingly enough, we have everything handy for us today, but we don't move enough. And so I think you said a long time ago, the, the lack of exercise is really the new smoking. Yes, sitting is the new smoking. It's kind of like if you're sitting too much, you become toxic. Toxicity can be a reason for blue mood or depression. So more yeah. exercise does a body good. More exercise gets that oxygen nutrients to the brain. It's going to get rid of that crazy thing we call depression. So long and short is I'm not surprised at the study at all. And you shouldn't be surprised either because we need to move more Sit, sit less. less. And if we do that, we'll find ourselves, at least from a brain or depression standpoint, feeling a, a whole lot better. What does our Constitution really mean? And how do we interpret it? Find out next with our constitutional attorney expert, Chris Anholt. Let's get real. Most emergency food is just as bad for you as any other choice in the standard American diet. And that's just sad. We don't just need food. We need highly nutritional food. We don't just want to survive food shortages. We are meant to thrive in adversity. Complete your daily nutrition and have shelf-stable kingdom fuel as a cornerstone of your food supply. Don't sacrifice your health or your taste buds. Stock up on kingdom fuel now. And when you navigate through these, these economies with people, here's, here's what happens. We want to hold their hand through it, let them know when it's time to buy, sell, reallocate, get out of Dodge. Because a lot of times when you're struck with fear, fear does two things. 
number one, it can paralyze and, and people just put their head in the sand and say, I'm just going to forget about it and hopefully it gets better. Or it causes you to make a wrong decision. And this is why we are here is to help people navigate through the political quagmire nonsense that's going on, the economic malaise and the absolute collapse that we're seeing. And when our freedoms are eroding, our political freedoms, our economic freedoms, our personal freedoms, our religious freedoms, our health freedoms, they're all tied together. But you know what doesn't need to erode with that? Our finances. Kirk Elliott, PhD.com forward slash Sherwood. I know you are God. I can't believe I trusted you. I'm Michelle. I'd love to work here. Do you have what it takes to be a champion? Yes, Master, I do. We need to get you more competition. Nationals. And finally, the Olympic Team Selection Tournament. Somebody tried to hurt you again? Yes. But I don't think anyone will ever believe me. She's working on being a homeless Olympic champion. And now she has somebody footing the bill for college so she can become a doctor. We have to pray on the list so that in all of God's glory, each item on the list will come to a fruitful and gratifying beginning. You know, people often ask me, what has been the most destructive lie the American people have been taught about the federal government and the U.S. Constitution? Now, Doc, you and I have talked about this on a previous segment, but it really boils down to the lie that the supremacy clause in the Constitution establishes that the federal government and federal laws are superior to state laws and state constitution. Now, our previous segment went into detail and explained how that is absolutely not true. And just a simple reading of Article 6, Clause 2, which is the Supremacy Clause, proves that. But you see, with that deception that has really infested the minds and politics of American government, we have had a falling away of the understanding of governors and attorneys general and even the people of their states of the power and the duty and the responsibility of the state to stand against the exercise of unauthorized federal power. And if there was one thing that I want the American people to really know today, if there was one thing that the American people could know that would change the whole dynamic. I'm not usually a one thing person, right? Because I understand that life is multifaceted and there are many solutions to a single problem and there are complications and details that need to be worked out. So I'm never really a one thing person, but in this situation, 
there was one thing that the people could really, really own. That would be the understanding of the power, the role, the duty, the responsibility, the authority of our states to say to the federal government, I'm sorry, that con- the Constitution does not authorize the exercise of that power, and we will not comply. And so in that authority, we have a solution to nearly every single federal problem that we see today. The ATF gun grab. States actually have the authority and the duty to say no. We're not going to let you enforce those laws in our state because there's no authority for you to govern what we sell and how our people uh, keep and bear arms within our states. There's no authority for you for that. No, we're not going to let your Environmental Protection Agency come in and rule and reign over our land. And by the way, the FDA and the USDA... Sorry, we don't find that authority in the Constitution. Because remember, we're the states that created the federal government. We're the creators of the federal government. And as the creators of the federal government, we have the authority to say, you know what? We didn't create you with that power. So that power does not exist uh, to be authorized in our state. Not only are we not going to help you uh, exercise that power, but we're not going to let you exercise that power on our people. The Department of Education, the Department of Interior, the Department of Ag, the uh, the, uh, Forestry Service, all of these organizations are extra constitutional. And according to Article 6, Clause 2, if their power is not exercised pursuant to the Constitution, the power is null and void. And what the American people and our governors and our attorneys general need to understand is that applies to the judiciary as well. The Supreme Court's authority is limited and defined by Article 3. The the Supreme Court and federal court authority is limited and defined by the powers delegated to the federal government. So if the power, the authority, is not delegated to the federal government, the federal judiciary doesn't have jurisdiction over the matter. So if there is no authority for uh, delegated to the federal government to rule and reign over uh, what we eat, what we drink, what we smoke, what we ingest, what we wear, what we buy, what we sell, how we live, how do we use our resources in our states, all these things that happen internally in the state, then the Supreme Court has no jurisdiction over those matters either. So we have to understand and we really have to own this. That our states not only have an authority, they have a responsibility to say no. And we have this information documented for you in our book, Sovereign Duty. Have this information documented for you in a film we call Noncompliant Movie. That can be found at noncompliantmovie.com. And we want to help you know this. Because all political powers derive from the people. And the people have to stand for the proper application of their constitution in order to defend their rights. So I'm thank you, Doc, for letting me bring this information to the people. 
Uh, there are many ways to come to this understanding. We want to help you with some of them. But that's the one thing I wish everybody would know right now.